We have a great show for you all today. This episode will focus solely on baseball. Our guest, Paul, lives in the D.C. area but grew up near Chicago and is a lifelong Cubs fan. With him, we'll discuss the NL playoff race and the Nats' chances after last week's heartbreaking loss to the Cubs. We'll also discuss Susan Jacoby's latest book, Why Baseball Matters, and the importance of baseball in the era of Trump and smartphones. Paul, thanks a lot for being here. Yeah, thank you for having me, Matt. So you're a Cubs fan. Um, tell us why you are, and uh, tell us about the uh, 2016 run. Yeah, a uh, long, tortured Chicago Cubs fan, finally redeemed uh, two years ago. But you grew up in the area. I did, In yeah. Chicago. I grew up yeah. about uh, an hour outside of Chicago. Um, roughly where I am, it's uh, in the northwest suburbs, all Chicago Cubs fans. Um, you know, if you look at uh, the New York Times had an interesting demographic um, look at uh, the geography of baseball. And the Chicago area is so interesting because it is so intensely divided um, between the north side and the south side. Um, you know, where I am, it's very deeply Cubs territory. Um, and then you get, you know, <laughs> there, there is a line in Chicago where you can see very clearly uh, where it shifts from being Cubs to White Sox. And um, as a result, uh, you know, there are people in my family who are intense White Sox fans. Um, it's a very contentious issue in my family. Did you family. guys ever get into fights over Thanksgiving dinner? No, I wouldn't say fights. It's all very good-natured. But, um, you know, look, there, there are some differences in how you raise your, your children, you know? <laughs> I, have, <laughs> I have a cousin who... Um, you know, he, his mother is a very serious White Sox fan, uh, but, you know, he's grown up on the North side and I, I heard him at, uh, uh, I heard him at a recent family gathering say, oh, I, I, want to, I want to <laughs> root for the Cubs. Like all his friends in school root for the Cubs. But he can't, he still can't do it. He can't do it, not around his mother, no. <laughs> so the, the Cubs are your team. You don't root for, you really don't have much connection to other, say, other Chicago teams, such as the Bulls, the Bears. No, Blackhawks. Yeah. No, I've. Uh, so the, the the Bulls won six championships in the 1990s. Does that mean anything to you? Um, from a nostalgia point of view, a little bit. Um, I grew up in the time when, uh, you know, in, in the city where all my friends, you know, loved Michael Jordan, and um, of course that was the 1990s and elementary school that had some effect on me, but. Um, you know, it didn't have as much of an immediate effect as, I think, going to my brother's Little League baseball games. Um, you know, I went to every single one when I was when I was younger. Um, you know, I used to listen to the Cubs broadcasts uh, with, uh, with, with my grandmother, um, Harry Carey, who uh, was uh, the Cubs uh, eccentric um, radio personality. So the, the, the Cubs are your team. Um, 2016, how did it feel? Um, it felt absolutely incredible. Uh, that was probably one of the craziest things. Um, uh, it, it is the sort of experience that you um, live for as a sports fan. Um, if you were truly a fan of a team, um, then being down 3-1 in, uh, in, in the World Series, coming back... Um, Winning on the road, um, you know, having a team that 
Um, did it for the first time uh, in Major League Baseball since 1985. Um, it was pretty spectacular. So where were you when the Chicago Cubs won this series? Oh my God, How did you celebrate? I knew you were going <laughs> to ask me this question. Uh, so there's actually a pretty iconic photo. Um, it's been circulated around uh, the office, uh, you know, where I uh, where I work. Um, it's me sitting on the DC Metro. Uh, so you waited all your life for the Chicago Cubs to win a World Series, and, and you were I'm stuck on the DC Metro. On the DC Metro, yeah, I can't believe it. Um, but still, they won. They did, and you were excited about it. Um, how about this team's uh, the the team this year? The Cubs are ahead in the NL Central. And they have the best record in the NL. Yeah. Um, how is this team similar, and how are they how are they different than the team two years ago that won? Yeah. So the team this year um, it doesn't quite have the luster that they did in 2016, um, but they do have um, uh, but they do have now I think a stronger veteran core of players. I just remember that the Cubs started rebuilding their team um, around the time that the Ricketts um, bought them uh, in, I think, 2009. And uh, they entered this period where they just collapsed. Um, you know, they had several subsequent losing seasons. And then in 2015, um, they uh, were kind of playing with house money. They had a team that was built largely through mergers and acquisitions. Um, they acquired several new players through um, the trade uh, and then uh, early draft picks. Um, and then uh, in 2016, um, you know, that was really the first year that we expected uh, the Cubs as we have them now uh, constructed. Um, you have a pretty strong starting rotation um, this year. Um, it's not as strong as I think it was in the in, in 2016. In 2016, you had uh, Jake Arrieta, Kyle Hendricks, um, John Lester, John Lackey. Um, they had one weak spot uh, in the starting pitching rotation with uh, Jason Hamill. Um, this year, uh, their starting pitching uh, somewhat leaves a little bit to be desired, although the Cubs have been trying to address that. Um, you still have uh, John Lester. Still got Kyle Hendricks, still got Jake Arrieta, or excuse me, I uh, misspoke. Uh, you still have John Lester, you still have Kyle Hendricks. Um, Jake Arrieta is now with the uh, Phillies. Um, they, the organization acquired um, Cole Hamels recently um, from the Texas Rangers um, for, uh, I believe, uh, some, some cash and uh, some prospects. Um, so if we come back at the beginning of uh, October with the podcast, how do you think? Uh, how do you think you'll be talking about the Cubs then? Like I'm pretty confident that uh, they'll be able to hold the lead in the NL Central. Um, the Milwaukee Brewers actually led the NL Central for quite a while. In fact, it might have been almost the entirety of the first half um, of 2017 before the middle when the Cubs uh, surpassed them. And at last uh, check, they were about four games up on the Brewers. Um, just in the NL Central in general, um, you know, it's a pretty strong division um, in the NL comparatively. Uh, you know, three of the teams are in playoff contention. You have the St. Louis Cardinals, um, the Milwaukee Brewers. Uh, the Cardinals are 9-1 and one in their last 10. 
which is uh, which is which is amazing. They've fired uh, their manager Mike Matheny, and uh, they've really had um, a resurgence in play. And uh, the Brewers are falling a little bit way back. So to answer your question, um, I think this is going to be tight. Um, I'm not saying this is going to be easy. Um, you know, but going but you do middle, like the chances that they'll get in the playoffs. They'll get and, in, the, and obviously they have the playoffs, as yeah. good a shot as anybody else to win the NL. That's right. Yeah. Which, have, which brings me to the uh, Nats. Uh, you live in the DC area, and you have for how many years? <laughs> Four years. Do you have any connection to the to the team here? You know, I go to I go to Washington Nationals games. And when they are not playing the Chicago Cubs, I will root for the Nationals, um, because I think it's polite, and polite. I, um, and I also uh, look. I've adopted this place as my hometown. I'm not one of those um, transients who you know plans on living here for you know a short time. Like I want to make this my home, um, and so you want to root for the home team, um, and so. Uh, you know the Nationals are uh, a good team. Um, so, so last let's let's go back to last week um, when the Cubs played the Nats, and this was an incredible it was an incredible finish to the game. The uh, Cubs have a walk off grand slam, yeah. and then the Nats lose the next night in dramatic fashion to the Cardinals. Yeah. Um, how do you see the Nats season ending? They're seven games back now, of the Braves, I believe, and the and those the Phillies are in second place, yeah. so they have two good teams that they have to surpass after taking these devastating hits in the middle of August. What, what do you what do you think? So five thirty eight puts them at about an eighteen percent chance of uh, making the playoffs. Um, fan graphs, I think they once is... had Trump at eighteen percent winning the presidency too. <laughs> There's a lot. Of, yeah, that's true. There's a lot of uh, unpredictability, but. Um, look, if you're a Nats fan and you're looking for some positives, um, here, here's what I would, uh, what I would say. Um, in general, over the past uh, five or six years, uh, since 2011, which I believe was the beginning of the two-team uh, MLB wildcard setup, um, you generally had to have about 85 wins to make the playoffs. Um, that's the minimum. And right now, the Nats are on pace for 84. Um, I think it was like 83.9, um, according to fan graphs. Um, so you play a little bit above pace, and you might be competitive again. As I was alluding to earlier, the Cardinals are on a bit of a hot streak, um, and so they've surpassed uh, the Nats and some other teams in the standings. But um, is it inconceivable yeah, I mean, to me if, if that... If the Nats uh, catch fire, they sweep the Phillies... Maybe you know they'll be right back into it. Yeah, that's absolutely. But they have a, their bullpen isn't doing all that well, and their bats come alive at certain times. But at certain times, they're also relatively quiet. Yeah. So um, we we might not see another Cubs uh, Nat series like we saw last year. Yeah. Um, you know, it's funny when you did. Did you go to one of those games? I did. I went to the the one in DC. It was game. Game two that the Nats won. The Cubs were up in that game right. um, for a little for a little bit, but then uh, there were a couple of home runs. I don't exactly. And I, I don't think you had any. There was no question about your loyalty in that game. No, no, there was absolutely no question. My brother was with me, and he was really enjoying the cheap beer at Nats Park. Yeah, you don't get that at Wrigley Field. Well, speaking of uh, um, baseball and the playoffs, we're going to stick with this topic during the uh, entire podcast. 
and let's switch to um, really the status of baseball in American society now. We're going to go big picture. Okay. Um, this book that Susan Jacoby wrote about, Why Baseball Matters. Um, she's a historian, and she's written a lot of, um, you know, she, she's done a lot of political writings throughout her career, but this time she takes up the issue of baseball, which means an awful lot to her. Mm-hmm. And um, I guess the, the, the question is, um, you know, baseball is struggling in this day and age in certain respects. In order to spend three and a half, four hours to watch a baseball game, that's a big commitment, particularly when we have, when we, see, there's a lot coming at us from the news, we ha- we're distracted by smartphones, and a lot of other things. What um, what what are your takeaways from the uh, from the book? Yeah, uh, you know, Jacoby, I think unearths some very serious questions about um, how sustainable baseball can be in the uh, in the current era. Um, you know, just to set it up for you know some of the listeners who may not have um, may not have read it. Um, the thesis of the book is you have a younger millennial um, and now post-millennial uh, generation. It's always the millennials' that, fault, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Uh, that largely, um, look, it didn't grow up watching baseball exclusively. Um, and there are so many other options for immediate gratification. Um, and so the time that it takes to go to an MLB, uh, to, well, to go to a baseball game in general, um, to watch baseball, to invest yourself in a single sport, uh, is not one that she says um, many millennials have the attention span for. And as a result, um, you raise, there are some questions that are raised about uh, the longevity of baseball um, and the connection um, that it has to our national character. Um, you know, many regard baseball as being our national pastime and so does she say that that's a myth in the book or does she agree with that no she generally agrees Mm -hmm. that it it she does acknowledge that there is something to the term pastime and you know our, our connection to it but through several historical examples um you know, she underlies how it, it, it is a uh, important facet of American life. But I, I think one of the things that, you know, I'm not a huge baseball, I grew up a huge baseball fan, I was a big Orioles fan, but during the, after the strike year, I stopped paying attention for a long time. But now I've started to appreciate it more, and one of the reasons why I do is because it's because of the slow pace. You're not constantly distracted you don't have to continue you know you can just simply relax and watch the game unfold in front of you even though it is at a slow pace there's no real hurry to it um but you know at the same time you know these games do take an awful lot of time in order to follow a team throughout a season you have to follow 162 games um so you know the question is will it be a niche sport or can it still it will still Will still be attractive to the a broad a broad audience. You know her uh, conclusion to, to answer her own questions is that baseball is a is the least common denominator of American society. Um, the one thing that she raises is think about outmoded entertainment options. Barnum and Bailey's you know 
remember how people would go to the circus or like a freak show <laughs> or <laughs> see right, like, and it doesn't even exist anymore and that doesn't yeah. exist anymore um, is baseball headed down the, a similar trajectory we don't think so um, because it resonates it has a power that resonates with people that goes beyond to some extent class race um, that there is like an enduring character to baseball um, the thing that I was left want that I was left wanting um, from her though was you know she diagnoses the problem uh, but I want to hear more about you know distraction um, like how are we going to appreciate baseball in an era where distractions are so prevalent yeah if you look at your phone there's so many things like you can that, that you can go to there's so many different apps there's so many things you can watch like on Netflix there are different uh, streaming uh, streaming services for music there are tons of different podcasts I, you know why, why spend four hours watching a baseball game the you know, she's not the only one that has written about this Michael Lewis who wrote the book um, Moneyball um, also um, noted this phenomenon but uh, you know radio had a democratizing effect on baseball um, you know you look at the old photos of baseball you know we're sitting here looking I have a photo of Wrigley Field yes, on my beautiful. wall yes, yeah. and what you'll notice is all of those guys in trench coats and hats, and hats yeah. they're all dudes um, and the reason for that is you know women just weren't brought into the fold but then radio came on in about the, the 1920s and uh, you know while you were able to you know while you were doing dishes or other household chores um, you were invited into the sport in a way that attending a baseball game alone um, in, in a way that broadened the appeal um, and, the, and, and, and nowadays uh, entire families go to baseball games yeah right. but um, and, it's, and it's an enjoyable experience beyond the actual game itself but even more broadly um, like there's all these unanticipated technolo technological changes that always impact sports or how you consume media and I feel like there are always these people who are saying oh we don't know how this is going to affect uh, this is going to affect the sport this, this is going to be a negative you know look uh, we now have more information available at our fingertips if you're able to segment sports in a way that tailors it to the way you want to consume it so in baseball in particular if you're a stats junkie guy you can go online and immediately pull up not only you know regular stats but advanced statistical saber uh, sabermetrics, um, and you have it immediately at your fingertips. And uh, you know, so, uh, speaking of statistics, one of the things that Jacoby goes after is fantasy baseball. Yeah. And in s some regards, I um, agree with her because it it degrades the game in some way. It keeps people interested. In it, but at the same time, they're more interested in how their fantasy team is doing than the actual game itself. And it's the same thing with football. People don't may not watch the football games, but they'll be checking their uh, stats of their players th throughout throughout the day on Sunday to see how they're doing. And the, the the question is 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 this the future of baseball? People just following maybe their home teams, their fantasy leagues. And then in the end, um, watching maybe the playoffs and the World Series, and that's it. By the way, I don't think there's anything inherently wrong with that. That just means that people are consuming baseball a little bit different. I'm not going to sit here and be curmudgeonly, and curmudgeonly say, 
oh, well, they're not doing it the right way, or, like, that's not how it's intended to be consumed or watched. Um, but um, there is something to be said about following your team um, in an unbiased way. Uh, it's interesting because in the book, you know, she gets at, uh, you know, a potential, um, you know, conflict of interest. Let's say you're a fan of the Kansas City Royals, and uh, you drafted Aaron Judge in 2015 in, on your team. That means in the early part of that <laughs> season, uh, and, and when the Royals were playing the Yankees, you know, Judge comes up, who are you going to root for? Yeah. Um, you know, and Judge was having a great year that year. Uh, it sets up a conflict of interest with your own team. This isn't even a question for me because I would, you know, I'd shed any of any prior allegiance for my Chicago Cubs, um, who were beloved in my mind. But I realize that not all baseball fans are quite that diehard. To me, the important thing is just bringing people into the game. Um, the fact that they're paying attention is important. Um, in American sports, baseball is one of many options that are competing for people's attention. And the fact that, you know, uh, people still do have the patience for a game that is played for half of the year, sometimes a little bit more depending on the team. Yeah, it goes from the beginning of April to the beginning of November. Is, uh, is itself incredible. Well, I mean, which also goes back to the issue that it's a huge commitment in order to follow a team. That's right. I think that one reason why uh, baseball you know, will continue to be an important part of American life is people's attachment to their home teams. Yeah. It, the, the Cubs, they are part of the character of Chicago. Yankees are part of the character of New York. Orioles are part of the character of Baltimore. And as we've seen here since, I guess, 05, the Nats have really become integrated in the city. Let me tell you, I, uh, this is going to sound a little, um, this is just tearjerker, right? We, but we, like we, the Cubs, we allow a little cheesiness here, so go yeah. ahead. No, well, I, you know, the Cubs in some ways are, um, are emblematic of, I think, life. Um, <laughs> you know... They were a losing team for 108 years. You know, they, they weren't a losing team. They just didn't, they didn't win the win World, World, World with, Series. Fine, but to get you to the promised land, <laughs> like that's what every sports, anyone who watches baseball, that's what you want to see your team do, or uh, and that's the accomplishment that you are hoping uh, that your team uh, achieves in a given year, and they hadn't. You had, you know, two world wars, a space race, um, <laughs> you know, the, the Cold War, civil rights, all of that pass, and the Cubs still hadn't won a World Series. The, I think the take on life is, is this, you know, in, in baseball, if you're hitting 300, um, you're pretty successful. And in life, I think you are going to lose more often than you win. Um, and, you know, that is sort of what, you know, we as sports fans, you know, we, we meet de, de, uh, demand immediate gratification. Um, but there's a lot, a lot to learn from that. If you hit 300, you're also getting out seven, uh, 7 out of 10 times. That's right. But you learn an awful lot. You learn more from getting out 7 out of 10 times than you do from the three times you, you get a hit. That's right. Yeah. And it's about the technique and it's about the patience. Um, you know, the players who just swing their bats willy-nilly trying to aim for the fences, sometimes that works, and sometimes you end up on a hot streak, but oftentimes it's the players that are patient and have patient approaches at the bat um, that get uh, that get rewarded. Um, so, 
you know, look. So, so the, I mean, we can obviously uh, agree that baseball does have some issues to deal with in this day and age. What do you think are, after looking at Jacoby's book, what are some things that you, um, would you think baseball could do better? Um, it's a good question. Um, I think they should get rid of input, uh, instant replay, and they should just get rid of the the meetings on the pitcher's mound. That's why a lot of the playoff games end, take so long. Yeah. I'm going to say something controversial. Um, <laughs> I, uh, I, I, I believe me, when I when a call at the plate um, from an umpire goes my way, I'm very happy. But most of the time, uh, I end up pissed off when uh, the home plate umpire um, does not call a pitch that very clearly is outside of uh, the strike zone. Um, I think that one way baseball can modernize is uh, by integrating, uh, not, not only having the pitching zone, which you have on every TV broadcast, but somehow making decisions on balls and strikes that are more closely aligned with what we now have available to us technologically to enable umpires to make those decisions. We're still going by the human eye, um, sometimes a pair of human eyes if it's, uh, me, sometimes two pairs of human <laughs> eyes if, uh, if it is the first, uh, if it's the first base uh, umpire helping uh, make, a, make a call. Um, so, a, so you're in favor of using actually more technology to help the, to help the game? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. I don't think technology is to be regarded as something that um, is to be avoided in baseball. It's not, but also uh, human error is is part of the game, so it should be part of the officiating too, mm-hmm. right? You say that, but then when you're a fan <laughs> right, on the right, other and, side, and and my my team gets hurt by a bad call, yeah, I I get I get your point. So, um, so uh, thanks a lot, Paul. Really appreciate this. Um, as we, uh, as we talked here, there was a lot of talk about distraction in this day and age. Um, I'm sure you're not spending all your time watching the Cubs. What else are you spending uh, your time watching these days? Um, so I'll give you a couple things. Um, I have uh, this is a new show on uh, Netflix. Um, I'm sure many of your listeners have, uh, have watched it. It's now in its second season. Um, it's called Nailed It. Uh, it is hilarious. Uh, these <laughs> people who are not professional uh, bakers by any stretch of the imagination um, go on and they try to imitate a, uh, a pre-baked, uh, professionally done um, uh, baked good, uh, be it a cake or you know some kind of cookie, uh, and they fail miserably. It is uh, the most hilarious thing. Have you, have you seen that? I have not seen it, but it sounds like it's something that's worth watching for good for a few good laughs. Oh my god, it's so good. What, what else? Are, what else are you watching? And then um, I just finished listening to WBEZ's podcast, Making Obama. Um, this is about the early uh, political career of Barack Obama on the South Side of Chicago, um, and in Chicago and in Illinois generally. Um, you know, it's funny, as I was listening to it, I was reliving um, part of my um, teen years and, uh, and 
you know, my earliest political memories. Um, there's a photo of me. Um, you know, I, I have it somewhere on Facebook. It's but it's a picture of you and Obama with me and a state senator Barack Obama wow. in 2004. That's yeah. pretty awesome. And uh, we, I, I I remember that time when he was running against uh, Jack Ryan. Um, you know, the Republican. He had to drop out um, you know, because of some some sex scandal at the time. Um, but the the podcast really prods at some of the early political challenges and questions that uh, President Obama faced um, in Chicago. What was remarkable about his rise, Matt, was that you know he, he was somebody who literally packed his bags, threw them in a car, and drove from New York uh, over you know yeah, it's Columbia. An, it's an incredible story. And then it? you know started over, reinvented himself. And I think uh, we kind of took Chicago. that for granted while he was in office. Right. Yeah. And Chicago is not an easy place to, um, to, to, to establish yourself. I mean, it's a knockdown, um, you know, get up kind of city. And he was coming to Chicago at a time when um, Harold Washington, um, you know, uh, I believe he had just died. He was the, Washington was the first African-American mayor of Chicago, one of the uh, major African-American political figure um, at the time, who, not, who was not expected to win um, and launch an insurgent campaign, and echoes of that campaign um, had very important political lessons for um, Barack Obama in, uh, in, so in his run for this the is, This is called, called Making Obama on WBEZ. Yep, that's right. So uh, check that out. The Obama year seems so long ago. So we shall have to go back and, and try and relive it That's right. as best we can. All right, thanks a lot, Paul. Really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you, Matt. Okay. All right, thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Okay, bye.